0: Welcome to the OK Strike That Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your co-host, Christian Betleon, and I'm joined with Will Hendrick, Pizza Fonte. Now let's get into the show.
1: Okay, welcome back, everyone. We're excited for our second episode of Okay, Strike That. Today, we will start off with any relevant breaking news, and then we're going to get into some debates over potential 2019 sleepers, 2019 busts, and then we'll try out a new segment called Target Practice, and we can explain that when we get closer to it. So to start off, I think the biggest news, the the one thing we, we definitely need to mention on this podcast is A.J. Pollock signing with the Dodgers, taking Twig's place. What do you guys think about that?
0: Well, four-year, $60 million deal. I'd like the deal for the Dodgers at $15 million a year. If I were a GM, I would definitely give him that. If he plays really well, he can opt out after three years, so some upside for him as well. As far as fantasy numbers go, he only hit two fifty-seven last year. And 460 at bats, but he did hit 21 homers. So in a full season, he might have high 20s, maybe even 30 home runs. The thing about Pollock is, you know, he's not going to play a full season, even if you draft him. He played 112 games, 113 games in the last two years, and roughly 460 at bats in each of those. And he missed all of 2016 with a broken elbow. So, you know, going in, that there's going to be a pretty big injury risk. Having said that, he might be top 50 when he's healthy. In a good season, he'll have 25 homers, 80 RBI probably hit 270, which is definitely top 50, but because of the injury risk, I'm going to rank him around 75. Most likely someone in your league's going to jump on him prior to the seventh or eighth round, but I'm waiting on him until the eighth just because of that injury risk. So I think if you're waiting until the eighth round, you won't own him in any single league. I completely agree. And based on the injury, I don't really want to take him higher than that. So if I lose out on him because of that, that's fine.
2: And I think that's a pretty fair spot to take him. I mean, obviously, health, like you said, is the biggest question mark here. He hasn't played a full season since 2015. So you can't really expect, like you said, that he's going to play a full season. It's just not likely. One plus side is, you know, you said last year he's about 420 at-bats. He still stole 20 and 15 bases in the past two seasons. So he's going to get you some steals regardless if he plays a full season or not. But I don't see him getting anywhere near where he was in 2015, which was kind of when his value was the highest, obviously.
1: I believe 2015 was the year he went 20 home runs and almost 40 stolen bases. He's got the potential to be a five category contributor. 2015, I mean, that's we're in 2019 now, and so it's been it's been some years since he's he's put up those numbers. So, I don't know. I mean, he he's the type of person who could win you a league. So, for me, he I I'm one of those people who who might jump on him because yeah, it was 2015 but I feel like the elbow injury that Christian mentioned, that was kind of a freak thing. If I remember correctly, it was on a slide that that happened. I mean, he's definitely injury prone. I just, I like his approach. He's a five category contributor. Who would you rather have? Christian, would you rather have Yasiel Puig or AJ Pollock from a fantasy perspective? AJ Pollock.
0: Like I said, I think he's probably around that 75 mark, seventh or eighth round. I think Puig's really more that. 105, 110, maybe even, you know, 120 player. So I think I take uh, Pollock a couple rounds earlier.
1: Well, what about let's see, let me throw out one other name for how about Lorenzo Kane?
2: I think I would take Kane above Pollock right now. I mean, I think it's definitely very close because Kane also does have some injury risk to him. But Kane's also played a lot more since 2015, which we're quoting here, than Pollock has. Um, and and's put up some pretty good numbers that I think would be easily comparable to what Pollock would have put up if he was close. Pollock probably, if he played a full season, would have been better than Kane, no question. But that's really not possible now.
0: Yeah, I think I think Lorenzo Kane and Pollock are right next to each other. i probably take Lorenzo Kane if you give me A or B.
2: I,
1: I think that's right. I think I would rather have Lorenzo Cain for the health. But also, I think if I, I've tried to look into it. I don't think the numbers bear out too much of it. But I'm a little bit worried about the park switch too. Uh, going from Chase Field, if it's still called Chase Field, these things change every year now to Dodger Stadium. I can see a drop off in some power numbers. And and I still think that means Pollock is a contributor across the board in all the categories, but I think that brings them closer to Lorenzo Kane. And I agree Lorenzo Kane's shown more durability. And I agree. So moving on, let's talk about 2019 sleepers. In this segment, we will debate. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that we agree. We've got a list of some players we're going to talk about, really players that I think are 2019 sleepers. So that's probably where I will come out on all these names, but we will see if I've changed my mind or not. The first name I want to start with is, again, a player who reminds me of someone who Max would own. You know, our listeners probably don't know who Max is, and that's totally understandable. A lot of people don't know who Max is, but Jorge Polanco is the type of person he would own. So I was looking at his numbers and they steadily have gone up. A decent contributor in, in all categories. Plays on the Twins. So I mean, do you care? Yeah, you just care a little bit. And I was looking at his numbers last year. They're okay. Double digit home runs and steals. He uh, seems like the type of player he's got a playing time. His numbers have gone up. I could see him as a 2019 sleeper. I'm not going to draft him because some, someone in my league is going to way overdraft him. But for other people who play with people who are smarter, maybe, maybe he's available at a reasonable price. What do you guys think?
2: I, I agree. I take offense to that Max comment, by the way, because I owned Jorge Blanco for a decent amount of time last year. Uh, and he's, he's solid for me. I mean, he wasn't anything that was like, oh my God, he's the most amazing thing. But I mean, like you said, he's just consistent across the board. I think he filled in for me when I had an injury and I just kind of threw him in there. He was one of those guys where I was just like, ah, I'll keep keep him going. He's not really doing bad. He's not doing anything amazing, but he's he's contributing. So I'll leave him there. He had the PED suspension the beginning of last year. So that's always concerning. However, I don't see it coming back around. And a guy like him and I think that for the right price, yeah, he can be a sleeper. But like you said, he may be overjacked. I kind of value him maybe like 20, 21st round. I'd be think that that's pretty good value for
0: Jorge Polanco.
1: And to be fair, Max does make the playoffs every year. So
0: Jorge Polanco had a decent year last year and like 333 at bats, but he's nothing to get excited about. He got really lucky. 345 Babip. Compare that to 2017, where he had a 278 Babip. He also stole seven bases and he stole 13 in 2017. So even if we split the difference between the last two years, that probably brings him to a 270 hitter, 10 stolen bases. At that, I'm taking guys like Tim Anderson, Ahmed Rosario, even Jerkson Profar ahead of Planco. He's probably a good plug-and-play guy for a middle infield position. He'll probably end up on a roster as a backup shortstop. That's that's where I see him.
1: So, real fast, just for some people who are new to fantasy baseball, BABIP, balls batted in play, means basically the amount of time you make contact with the ball and you're getting a hit as a result of it. It's a metric that's used to really see how sustainable your success is. is
0: this, isn't that right, guys? Yeah, exactly. So. You know, of the balls you put in play, what percentage of those balls you know fall for a hit? And typically, a BABIP is going to be higher than a typical batting average is because we're only taking into account a sample size of the balls that are put in play. So obviously, you're taking out things like strikeouts, taking out things um, like walks. So so it's only those things that are in play.
1: So I agree. When I was looking at Polanco, I agree as BABIP is high. I will say that some players just tend to have higher BABIPs based on their contact percentage. And he's the kind of guy that strikes me that
0: way. But like I said, in 2017, he had a 278 Babbitt. So, you know, you go from 278 up to 345. Even if you split that difference, you know, he's probably going to net out as, you know, 310 Babbitt. And probably that puts him in around a 270 hitter. I do also think the Twins are going to be better this year. I think
2: Christian hit the nail on the head by just saying, come draft time, he's going to be on people's rosters as a backup shortstop. Is the potential there for him to become better than that? Sure. Who knows? But looking at the numbers now, you can't really bank on that.
1: Yeah, but like you said, if you're drafting him in the 20th round, very minimal risk. And even if at his height, he's just your backup uh, middle infielder, I think that's pretty good. And maybe you could flip him to someone who has some injury concerns or something like that. So I like Corey Polanco. Moving on, pitching side of things, this guy is my guy. White Sox, Chicago, Chicago. Ronaldo Lopez. I I think he is primed this year to come out and be a relevant mixed leagues, standard leagues, any leagues relevant. And I'll tell you why. His biggest problem last year was the blow-up. You would roll him out, and he would just get shellacked in some games. Like in, we're talking the standard inning pitched, 20-year runs. It was a debacle. But then he would have like a three, four starts in a row where he was going six or seven with decent numbers. And you looked at his overall numbers from 2018, 151 strikeouts, 127 whip, 391 ERA. They're actually decent numbers. His win loss is ugly, but he's on a rebuilding team, the White Sox. So putting all that aside, I think he has a chance to get to 200 strikeouts this year. I I like him. and. Again, let's talk about this relative to what he's going to cost. He's going to cost nothing. He could be your last pick of the draft. I I don't know. I haven't seen average draft position with regards to this guy, but I can't imagine he's going anywhere remotely higher than
0: round 20s. Yeah, I I mean, he's way outside the top 50 starters for me, which makes him primarily a guy you pick up and stream here and there. I mean, in just under 200 innings, he had a 3.9 ERA, which is... Great for a guy who's 25 years old. But he doesn't really strike guys out at a high percentage. He only had a 7.2 K per 9 last year. Combine that with a 260 BABIP. And I think he found a lot of luck getting you know, a sub-4 ERA. I don't really see him being below 4 in 2019. He's young, so certainly room for his skills just getting tangibly better but based on his underlying ratio, I don't really like him as a sleeper because his his K his K per 9 is low. He even only strikes guys at at around 19% of the time. So, assuming he gets another 200 innings, I don't see him at 200 Ks because his K per 9 is at 7. So, so I, you know, that probably puts him around 165-170 Ks in 200 innings.
1: And I think that's fair real fast Pete, before you jump in here. I also just want to point out he does pitch in the AL Central, which is universally known as the garbage division of baseball. He's going to have starts against the Twins, Tigers. I mean, I mean, even the Indians, who presumably are the favorites to win again, I mean, they're not going to be as good as they've been. So, like you said, I could see the appeal there, just to look at him as a streamer, nothing else because of the Central, but I, I think... I think he gains relevance.
2: Pete, what do you think? I'm going to agree with Christian here. I, I saw his name and I thought streamer. And then I looked at his stats and I still think streamer. He He's below average in control and he has a very low swinging strike rate, which like Christian said, results in not striking many guys out. I don't really see him as a guy that I'll even want to target as a sleeper, even in those late, late rounds. I mean, if he's there and and... and I don't like anybody else that's around, sure, but it's not somebody I'm going to be like, I'm looking for him in the late rounds as my sleeper. So is it fair to say you all would like Nick Pavetta better as a sleeper? What do you think about Nick Pavetta, Pete? I, I do agree with that. I would like Nick Pavetta better. He has a very high swinging strike rate which is good. And his command, his command is above league average. I don't think he'll lose as many games either this year. Phillies are going to be a better team. So he won't lose as many games. And I mean, he had a 4.7 ERA with a 1.3 whip last year. that's similar to what Lopez had, but I just think Pavetta has a higher upside. I I just, I I like him better. Like, because of the swinging strike rate and his command. And I think being on the Phillies, being on a better team will give him a little more confidence. And I think he's definitely a better sleeper option than Ronaldo
0: Lopez. He he suffers from the exact same disease that Ronaldo Lopez does. And that's that he goes three, four, five starts that are pretty good. And then suddenly he just gets shelled like seven, eight runs. And that was pretty much the story of last year. And he ended up with a 4.77 ERA which is amazingly down from like a 6.4 ERA the year before. So he's had two full years with the, with the Phillies, but like Pete said, he, he strikes guys out. So he's a really high K per nine. He's at 10 over the last two seasons for K per nine, which is a great number for a starter. And the number that really sticks out for me is his 3.8 FIP from last year. To put that in context, it's the 24th overall in the league. And what FIP is basically fielding independent of pitching. So they take the three true outcomes of a potential at bat, evaluate those and make them into a ratio. And basically the 3.8 FIP is supposed to be something similar to an ERA, but it's taking out the variables of fielding and how that can impact a pitcher's performance. So at a 3.8 FIP and a 4.77 ERA, those things are disproportionate from each other, which tells me that he did get pretty unlucky uh, and he's most likely going to see a downward trend. So if he sees a downward trend in ERA and he can get that 4.7 to something like 3.9, 3.8, a 10k per nine, that actually makes him a pretty valuable starter. And I probably have him just inside the top 300 as a good target to fill the back of the rotation. So again, if he can get that ERA down to mid to high threes, he could be a solid middle of the rotation guy.
1: So you're buying him as a potential sleeper. I'm buying him as a potential sleeper. Do you happen to know what his Babbitt was? I'm not shocked by the FIP numbers just based on his strikeout percentage. Those are Usually tied together, at least from what I I've seen. I like him as as a sleeper target as well. To me, he's he's actually him and Lopez are similar. That's why I had him back to back. I like the competition that Lopez faces more regularly. So for me, I think they're actually pretty equal players. But I like the division and the situation that Lopez is in. I think they both take steps forward though, and I think they're
2: reasonable targets. Last year, Pavetta had three uh, three twenty six babbitt. So. I
1: think that would go to, to Christian's point with the FIP that he got kind of unlucky, and that's pretty high.
0: Yeah, and it's it's all due to those instances where he gets shelled in one game. He puts t- he strings together a couple good starts, and then he just gets shelled. So it's really hard to rely on him, but I would say that if he puts together a good couple weeks to start the season and how the Phillies are looking to shape up, I, I would buy him as a sleeper. And, and like Christian said too, 10, 10 Ks per nine, which is, is obviously great. Two walks per
2: nine, 2.8 walks per nine, which is great. And 1.3 home runs per nine. So it kind of seems to me like those home runs that he did give up were definitely more than solo shots.
1: So moving on, Willie Calhoun, he was imprisoned by the Rangers last year. Not allowed to show off his talents. I don't know if he has a starting job going into this year. I believe Sin Chuchu is still there in the DH position. They have a full outfield. I think Del- Delano Shields is garbage. Christian may disagree. We can get into that another day. So I don't know exactly where he would play. What do you guys think about Willie Calhoun? Also, we love prospects. We love the next big thing. He's a guy. Everyone's going to jump on that bandwagon thinking he's the next big thing. Is he a sleeper to either of you?
0: I personally don't think so. You know, he's the type of player that puts the bat on the ball. He doesn't strike out a lot or walk a lot. So his profile is one that should hit for a decent average, but his on-base percentage might look a little bit disproportionate to that. In 35 games last year, he only hit 222. However, you know he only struck out 22% of the time and had a really low BABIP, which means he was definitely unlucky. But he should be hitting for a much higher average than that in the major league level. He hit 294 in AAA in... About 500 at bats, and last year his his power dramatically fell off. He only hit nine home runs, and in the last two years or the two years prior to that in 2016 and 27, he was hitting in the 20s. So, look if he can find his power stroke again, possibly, but I I don't see it. I I just I don't see it. He doesn't run. He's not going to help you with any of the counting stats. You know, unless he finds that power stroke. So I don't have him in my top two in my top 300. But he might be a late late round flyer like last round that has potential to hit a little bit. And if he doesn't hit in those first two weeks, you know, just drop him.
1: I think that's a good point about the power. It did drop off in AAA. And just for our listeners, he played in the PCL, which is known as the hitter's haven of AAA, of really all minor leagues. And so to only have nine home runs last year, what was essentially a full year at AAA for him. Was disappointing, I agree. I've read some things that said he was just working on his approach, though. It's really for me gonna be about playing time. We're gonna have to see spring t- training what 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 tricks out there. And if he has a starting job, then I think he, he makes it into the later rounds as a as a you know a dart throw, if nothing else. And if you're in a dynasty or a keeper league, depending on your format and your settings, he's someone you, you obviously should have on your
2: yeah, I agree. At this point, he's just a. Uh, you're gonna have to see how spring training plays out, obviously. But I mean, he's just kind of like you said, a dart throw or just a last round, maybe hope for the best type thing. Like Christian said, he has a very high contact rate, so he puts the ball in play, and he but he doesn't walk much. Uh, he hit 233 in a small sample size in the majors, which which is not good. I mean, right now, I I take a, a more an older veteran outfielder over him in the later rounds. The only way I'm targeting William Calhoun really is, like you said, in a deeper dynasty league where you can get him in one of the late uh, 20, 27th round or whatever. Let's
1: move on to the last person we'll talk about in this segment. Really, he might be a good segue into the next segment as well. Byron Buxton. I don't want to spoil anything for the viewers, listeners, on what I think. What do you guys think
2: about Byron Buxton? Pete, you want to start? Sure. I mean, I, I just can't trust him anymore. I mean, I, you think every year that it's, he's going to turn it around and it's just every year he disappoints, does not hit for average at all. You know, he could steal some bases, but I mean, he doesn't really get on base to steal those bases and his contact percentage is awful as well. So he's not putting the bat on the ball or he hasn't been putting on the bat on the ball, not saying that can't change, but I haven't seen anything that says it will. I, I, I don't even really have to go any further on this. I don't I don't think he's a sleeper. I'm not targeting him at all.
0: Well, apparently he put on 21 pounds in the offseason that's supposed to help him with these injuries. So who knows if that will actually help. I better believe I saw that on Rotor World today. He's had ample opportunity at the major league level. I mean, he's got over 1,000 at-bats. He has a 230 average. He strikes out like a third of the time. He walks 6%. I mean, that's just dreadful at averages. You know, in the games he actually played in last year, he hit 157. It's just not good.
1: He uh, was injured last year. He was injured last year.
0: You know, so, okay, so I'll, I'll put him around 200 overall, which does make him a quote-unquote sleeper candidate, technically. My opinion is that he will most likely disappoint, probably be injured. So if you can get him at the 200 mark, go for it, hope for the best, but don't draft him with the expectation that he's going to live up to any of the hype that he's received.
1: I completely disagree. I think this Shucker. is the year. Go all in on Byron Buxton. Listen, I I think that number, around 200, that's probably where people end up drafting him. I mean, if he starts going way earlier, let's say 120, somewhere like that, then fine, don't draft him. But around 200, Nick Marquez, like I said, nice player. Fine player. Good for him. He got a new deal with the Braves. Deserves it. Give me in fantasy the chance of Byron Buxton figuring it out over Nick Markakis. I think he is the definition of a sleeper. He was hurt all last year. He's got a new manager. At the end of 2017, if you take that sample out, he showed, makes him so intriguing. Give me him all day. I am drafting. And if I can't draft him because someone beats me to the punch, I'm going to try and trade for him. I'm going to hope that he does terrible the first week if I don't end up with him just so I can trade for him in all my teams. I think the bigger question is, is does he have a
2: starting job? He's not listed as the starting center fielder for the Twins. I think he does because just because of his defense at this point. That it buys him enough to get him at bats to start the season. He's got to deliver. Otherwise, then maybe, no, he does not have a job.
1: Well, we'll be tracking his spring training. I like the sounds of 21 pounds of muscle. That sounds good to me. I don't know much about weight training, but I think he's ready to hit some dingers this year. Did you confirm it's all muscle?
0: From what I read, it wasn't muscle. He seemed to think that he just put it in the back of his mind and needed to put weight on in the off season, and then he did. So that tells me it was food. Well, Twinkies can help
2: sometimes. So Babe Ruth did it on hot dogs and beer.
1: Yep. So we'll we'll move on. I, I will say I'm going to sneak Buxton into the snow as much as possible. He has burned me so much. I held him so long last year. But I'm a believer still. Still. But this is the year. He's either going to do it this year or he's not. And I don't want to be the person left out in the cold. I want to be there for success.
2: So if it's but, not this year, are you officially done with him?
1: Probably. Okay, Not a hundred percent, but probably. Okay, moving on. Potential bust candidates. Let's start with Giancarlo Stanton, who Dan will probably draft as his first round pick if he at all can. What do you guys think? Is he going to live up to the hype? Last year, I owned him a little while in one of my leagues, and I was happy to trade him. He eventually picked up the power numbers, but... Watching him at bats, just putting aside the the numbers here for a second, watching him during some of his bats, I felt like he was swinging with his eyes closed and he looked lost. Pete, you unfortunately are a Yankees fan.
2: What what are your thoughts on Stanley? I mean, I I agree. I watch him a lot and he does seem like he's just like all upper body when he's swinging, but he's still put up. He still had 38 home runs, over 100 runs, exactly 100 RBIs. I mean, that's still a very good season. One of the plus sides that I think would make him less of a bust is that he's been healthy the past two seasons, which was a problem for him in the past. He's obviously in a great lineup, and I'm going to chalk it up for uh, to right now for his nerves last year, moving to a new city, New York, and that's why he got off to such a slow start, because like he said, you couldn't get rid of him fast enough, and then he kind of picked up the power numbers after you traded him as the season went on. He, he goes up and down like from watching Yankees. You know, he'll have a week where he'll hit five homers and then he won't hit one for two weeks. I I don't think I can classify him as a bust. His value is down from where he was being drafted last year, obviously. So I think that his value is still good. Maybe early thir- late second, early third round. I don't think that that's a bust at that point. I think you're still going to get around 100 runs, around 35, 40 home runs, and around 100 RBIs. And I think that's playing it safe. He obviously has the potential to go way higher and get closer to 50 home runs again.
1: I just don't see him lasting to the third round. I think you could give him a third round, then he would. I think, I think just on name value alone, he's he's a back end first round, second round pick. But I don't agree. I mean, I don't disagree if you could give him a third round. There's no real risk. I think to me, the reason we talk about him in the boss segment is let's say he goes in the first round. Is he going to return first round value? So, my question back to you, Pete, is what type of value do you think he's going to return? Do you think he's returning third round value? Or do you think
2: he's going to return first round value? I think you got to think that he's going going to return where he's projected to be drafted right now is what I personally think, just because he's not going to get that first round value where he was two years ago. But I don't think he gets much lower than what he did this year. And I think that he's valued correctly around the late second round right now. So would you rather have him or Charlie Black? Blackman had a down year last year compared to what he was. So he dropped in the rankings too. I think it depends on the league, maybe in a points league Stanton because the home runs are worth more, but if you got stolen bases in there for category leagues, you might have to go. I might have to
0: go Blackman. I mean, it's pretty close. Give me Blackman. Uh, Christian, what are your thoughts on Stanton? I'm taking Stanton over Blackman. I want Stanton. I don't think he's going to be a bust in 2019 at all. I actually, I have him as my 13th overall player. And if he gets to me in the early second round, that's great. I might even take him with like the second or second to last pick in the first round. So I'm targeting him. I think he's going to have at least 45 home runs, hopefully 50 plus. And, you know, I don't think that that's really too high of a ceiling. I mean, obviously two years ago, he hit 59 and that's, that's a ton. He's not going to hit 59 again, but that year he struck out 23% of the time. Last year, he struck out 29% of the time. He also walked a lot more in the year that he hit 59, but the underlying numbers, he still hit the ball very hard. Actually, uh, both his exit velocity and his hard hit percentage were both up from the previous two years. So I don't think the numbers really suggest anything. I I think, Pete, you're probably right. He moved cities. New York's a big city. And maybe he was swinging with his eyes closed, like you said, Willie, and he struck out more often. The numbers play that out. It shows that that's what happened. So here's the thing with Stan. I think it's entirely dependent on how often he strikes out. If he can lower that strikeout rate by a few percentage points, it means massive numbers to him in the counting stat categories. And I think he does it in the second year in New York. I mean, that stadium's conducive. Everything about the situation and the underlying numbers tell me that he's poised for a big year. I want him. I want him early second round, potentially late first. And I think a way that he can cut down on the strikeout rate
2: is obviously by drawing more walks. Uh, He's going to draw walks. People are not going to throw the ball right down the middle to him. And watching him the entire season last year, he swings at some horrendous pitches. And that was his downfall. And he would just strike out with in big situations on pitches that were four feet off the plate. I think if he works on that, i like I said, I'm chalking it up to nerves. I think if he works on that, that'll that'll in it, in itself help him not only get on base more, but also cut down on the strikeouts.
1: I guess a question for you guys is: Do you see him putting up better than JD Martinez type numbers from last year?
0: Better than JD Martinez numbers from last year?
1: And for um, reference, we're talking three 330 average for JD, 43 home runs, 111 runs, 130 RBIs. I feel like those are the type of numbers you're thinking you're going to get from Stan. Maybe not the average. That's kind of amazing. Is that your hope if you're
0: drafting Stan? I don't think, no. He's not going to hit that type of average at all. He's going to hit more like 270, but he's going to hit more power, which is crazy to say that over, over JD Martinez. But I, I, I take JD Martinez over him. I probably have JD Martinez as a top five player.
1: Top five? Interesting. It's I mean, hard to argue with that based on last year. I I always keep doubting J.D. Martinez. But I mean, arguably one of the best players in baseball last
0: year. With J.D. Martinez, it's just the injuries as well. I mean, he seems to somehow do something that he runs into a wall or does something to screw up his momentum. And then last year, he didn't. And just real quick, just as an aside, can you believe the
1: Astros gave up on him? I remember owning him when he was on the Astros. Baseball can be nuts sometimes. Let's move to Miguel Sano, who there's no reports he put on 21 pounds over the offseason like his teammate Byron Buxton. What do you guys think about Sano?
0: It's actually the opposite. I heard he was losing weight. I think he lost 19 pounds is what I heard. So go in the opposite direction with him. Look, he hit 199 last year in 300 at-bats, and he was even in single A for a little while. And he struck out 40% of the time, which 40% of the time he went to the plate, he struck out. That's absurd. So sounds like he also had a little bit of off-season issues. I think he got in some kind of car accident where he broke a cop's leg down in the Dominican Republic, not being charged anything. But look, that can't be good. He's yet to have 500 at-bats in a single season. He's never going to hit for a very high average, but I guess you can hope for a 250 average from him. And you are saving graces, he's got a ton of power, so somehow he can figure it out. He could explode with home runs, and i'll I, he's another player. you know I'll probably take around two hundred same same as Byron Buxton, and I'm sure someone will draft him in the fifteenth round, and he very well could be worth much higher than that, but I don't know. I'm not investing in him highly in the first place, so you know if you get him at that two hundred mark and he and he figures out his power power to you
1: yeah i don't I don't know, I haven't seen. It's still early. We're in January. So I haven't seen legitimate composite rankings for where he's going to be drafted, but I find it hard to believe he's going to last that long. So that's, I agree with everything you said. And that's why I think he's a bust because I think he is going to go higher than the uh, 15th round, maybe
2: at the latest. Pete, what do you think? I mean, I agree. Cause just because somebody's going to draft him, By name, because of when he did go off when he first came on the scene, his contact percentage is in the upper 50s. It means almost half the time he swings, he does not make contact with the ball. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. One plus side besides the power, I guess you could say, is that he can draw some walks, but that contact percentage Bottle with, you know, combined with, like Christian said, he has some off-the-field issues. Not only did that car accident happen, I think he had some domestic violence accusations going on too. So uh, just a a bad mixture for Sano. I I think he's a bust. If you draft him any earlier than he's being projected, and even if you draft him when he's being projected. And just looking,
1: it looks like ESPN has him ranked around Kyle Seager. Give me Kyle Kyle Seager all day. Yeah, right, all day. Oh, yeah. So... That's what I'm saying. If he's he's being drafted anywhere around Kyle Seager, I just don't see it. I, I think I think he has potential to, to do very well, but he also could be in the Gulf Coast League by the end of the year. Let's talk about Shohei Otani. I loved him. I was all in in all my leagues on him. And I think he's exciting for the game. He's undoubtedly going to be overdrafted this year, in my opinion. He... Had the pitching to go along with the hitting last year. For those who don't know, he had Tommy John, so he's not pitching this year. He's still going to try and uh, go through as a hitter. And despite what I think a lot of lay people thought, he can hit the ball. And he can hit the ball off good pitchers, and he's a good hitter. We don't know how the surgery is going to impact his hitting, though. And I think his his value, he's going to be overdrafted because of his name. and. I think some people just inherently are going to think, looking off last year's value and where he was on a player radar, forget that he's not going to have the pitching this year. So I hate to say it, but for me, I think
0: he's a bust this year because I think he's going to be overdraft. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, he was a 10th overall in hard hit percentage and 11th overall in exit velocity. So he hit the ball really, really well. But the elbow, and he's a DH only. You know, that's another thing. That we talked about last week is you know that value of somebody who's only a DH, and so that knocks him down a rung. The surgery, and he's he's not a pitcher. So I, I agree. I think he's going to be over drafted, and he should be drafted somewhere in the teens. You know, he's gonna, he's you have to stash him for a period of time because there's it's not clear as to when he's actually going to be back. They they think sometime before the All Star break, but he's definitely not starting the, the beginning of the season.
2: Yeah, he'll provide value for you when he's in your lineup. He's going to mash the ball, but. I I think he's going to be overdrafted. You know, we're talking about DH only eligibility. I'm not valuing him anywhere near Nelson Cruz in DHs. So he's going to be going, like you said, in in the maybe like the the mid teens rounds. And I honestly, I think that that would be a decent return for what he's going to give you in those rounds. I mean, like you said, he he hits the ball hard and his stats last year 326 at bats, hitting 22 homers. I feel like every other day that I found out he was playing, he was hitting a home run. I like him for that that value. I think I don't think he's gonna be a bust if he's drafted at that point. But like you said, if he's over drafted, then the value may not return.
1: Question for both of you. Who do you think ends up with more value? Him or Josh Donaldson? Whole year, who do you think has more value? Not necessarily who you would draft or anything like that, but who do you think ends up with the better
2: numbers? I'm gonna say Otani. I take Josh Josh Donaldson. Okay. I, I mean I just don't trust Donaldson to, to stay healthy at all. I know Otani obviously has some injury, injury, injury risk as well, but I, I just don't – I see Donaldson getting hurt, coming back, hurting another part of his body, coming back, and then being put on IR.
0: That may be true, but at least I know he's starting day one. You know, he's not coming into the year completely right. hurt where Otani is, and actually the Braves lineup is is really good. You know, there's there's some things to like about Donaldson if he can actually stay on the field. So I'd I'd take a risk on Donaldson over Otani. Give me Otani. I think Donaldson's a little bit of fool's gold,
1: kind of like Byron Buxton might be, but that's neither here nor there. So let's move on to a segment that we're going to try and and start, especially as we get closer to the actual season. We're going to call it target practice. Maybe one day we'll have a cool intro sound for this where someone's shooting a gun or something but essentially the point of the segment is someone we are targeting in drafts and later after drafts are taking place maybe in free agency or something like that to help us win a category or if you're in a roto league to give you the points to win that category so whether it's head-to-head roto whatever it might be and so Today, let's start with an easy category of strikeouts. Pete, if you were targeting a player for strikeouts, who's on your list or someone you you want to try and carry you in that category? I'm going to go
2: with Garrett Cole. He had a huge jump in strikeouts last year from previously. He had 80 more strikeouts exactly, more than he had last year. He had 276 strikeouts, 12 strikeouts per nine. I mean, that's just an elite number. I mean, it's not something that he's come close to. I think he was around seven or eight in years prior, but he's 20 years old. So he's not an, an old player. I think he finally just figured it out. Um, I think he benefited from the move to Houston. I think it gave him more confidence. Yeah, having that lineup behind him and, and he just figured it out. He pitched 200 innings for the first time back-to-back seasons in, 19, in 2017 and 2018, which is a positive sign as well. Like I said, I just think that he's going to be up to that level, not there yet, but like a Max Scherzer, where you're going to be able to roll him out every time. No, he's going to get you a bunch of strikeouts, and he's going to pretty much get you a quality start in category leagues. And if, if it's for a, a Roto League or a Points League, I, I think that you know, the strikeouts and the wins that he's going to get with that lineup behind him, is just going to be a no-brainer, roll him out every week, no questions asked who he's playing or what's going on.
1: But are you going to be able to own him? I mean,
2: where is he going to be drafted? Uh, I mean, I, th- I see him being drafted. Maybe I I put him in definitely, I think I put him in my top 40 for sure. I'd be comfortable
0: taking him in the third round. I would take him late second round.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and so I, I guess the question is,
1: is, and we'll get into this next week when we cover draft strategy, do you, how do you feel about taking a pitcher that early? Uh, and I even mean, he's not necessarily known as one of the pitchers that you target in those early rounds
2: maybe you should be. Yeah. I mean, I was never one for taking a pitcher early. Uh, Last year, I took Max Scherzer in the second round and it was just, it made my life so much easier in in a categories league. Like I said, it's the same exact situation. You roll him out, you know what he's going to give you. He's going to get a quality start. He's going to have eight to 12 strikeouts, if not more every week. Just having that in your back pocket is so beneficial in, in a league, in a categories league, just to have that guy there. So you know that you have that in a security blanket, essentially, so that if you do stream some guys that pull a Ronaldo Lopez and get blown up for 20 runs in the first innings, you have a guy like Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, who obviously Scherzer's out of this world, but Cole is not too far behind him.
1: I think it'll be interesting to see where he's drafted. I, I, he's a, I think for the purposes of this segment, he's a great target for K's and he's the type of player who, who could carry you, assuming he stays healthy and all that good stuff. I'm going to go way off the reservation here and pick someone who is not quite as obvious, but someone who I'm targeting for strikeouts. Even if I'm not drafting him, I'm going to constantly stream him and probably get burned by him. I'd have a signed baseball by this guy, thanks to Pete. But Vince Velasquez, and if you are a Phillies fan, you are probably pretty aware of his tantalizing talent as well. Listen, he strikes out a lot of guys. He has the arsenal, and he is filthy when he is on. Now, he didn't have a good year last year. He regressed, if anything. And a lot of people think his future might be ultimately in the bullpen back end as a closer or something like that. And I I could see that. I will tell you his FIP was 3.7, 3.8, and his ERA was, I'm rounding up, but basically 5. So like we were talking earlier about his teammate Nick Pavetta, I think part of this is Vince Velasquez was getting unlucky. He is the type of guy who, if nothing else, even if you don't draft him, from a streaming perspective, he he could legitimately give you 10Ks in a stream. And so for purposes of this segment, for targeting someone who can help you win a category in strikeouts, I think he could start off as a streamer, someone you're, you're targeting to get strikeouts. But he could evolve if anything clicks with him into someone you own and can rely on to carry that category for you. Christian, you're a Phillies
0: fan. Is there any shot he figures it out? There's a shot. He's not my favorite to figure it out in that rotation at all, but I think you're dead on with the FIP number and very similarly to Nick Pavetta. The the Phillies, surprisingly, had one of the lower FIPs in baseball. I think they were like the 10th or 11th team overall and if you look at their rotation and the actual stats that came out of last year that doesn't really seem to add up so i think there is definitely some unluckiness that that was to go around you know the entire rotation is he their fifth starter you're testing me
1: so they have nola and Arietta at the top then pavetta i assume is their number 3 but then i'm, I'm a little unsure of whether he's in that 4 or 5 spot cuz they also have Ikoff, they have eflin and they have him
0: that's six. I I th- I think that Vince Velasquez will slot in at the four or five slot, and that's assuming that the Phillies don't pick up another starter, which is rumored to be in the works. So yeah, they have they have Nolan Arrieta at the top, Pavetta's coming in at number three, and then you do you have the the three options between Velasquez, Eflin, and Iakov. And I I I think that Velasquez will take either the fourth or the fifth slot.
1: Yeah, obviously, if he doesn't win a rotation spot, then uh, you can pretty much. Throw him out. So, Christian, who are you targeting for strikeouts?
0: So, I'm going to go a little bit deeper than Pete, a little shallower than Willie, and I'm going to say Robbie Ray. He's coming off what is technically a disappointing year. He was drafted really highly last year, was thought of as a breakout candidate, ended the year with a 3.93 ERA, which is actually fairly respectable. And he had 165 Ks, which is pretty low, but he had a 12 K per nine, and that's one of the best. Strikeout per nine ratios in the game, I and mean, you know a guy that you can get in probably the tenth, eleventh round, he'll probably be gone by the twelfth. So I think tenth or eleventh round is a good place to target him, and you know he could be a top twenty-five pitcher. I think if he could put a really solid season together, that 12 you know, K per nine, I think uh, he's a, he's a player we should be looking at as a potential sleeper. I agree.
2: I owned Robbie White, Robbie Ray, when he did break out um, two years ago. And it it was a similar situation. One of those guys you just roll out, you know, he's going to get you all those strikeouts. And that year he happened to also have like a sub two ERA. So it was ridiculous. So he regressed last year. He also was injured a lot last year, but I think he's, you know, he can have a bounce back year. He strikes guys out. Like you said, he didn't have as good of a year as he had two years ago last year, and he still had 12 strikeouts per nine. So he's pitching when he's pitching, he's striking guys out. I think he's a great,
1: target for strikeouts I think you're right on with where he's probably valued and yet he's top 20 from last year he's got to be top 20 top 25 in in strikeouts so I I think I think that he's a great target so for next week our plan is to do some draft strategy discussions what that actually will look like and you have to wait and listen to the next podcast and then from there on we will probably do some positional discussions and take probably start with catcher first base and and just work our way down the ranks that way and talk about where people are being drafted and where we we rank them and and play a lot of would you rather have so and so so thank you for listening uh, I'm Will Hendrick Christian Bellion and Pete Safonte.